This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Glojek here with The Record North Shore founding member Joe Coglin. As uh, we are in the dog days of summer right now, we are in the um, final week of a lot of football summer camps right now. Uh, a lot of football teams are going to break for the next week, I think it is. And then uh, uh, second week of August, you get started. You get football camps getting started and all the other fall sports getting started. So um, we are not too far away. So the last couple weeks of uh, um, maybe some dead time where uh, coaches and kids kind of get to spend some time quietly in uh kind of relax before the chaos of the fall begins um, pretty soon here uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, that we still got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we'll talk about uh, uh, some things in three periods this week. In the first period, we're going to talk about waves and successful uh, summer that they had. In the second uh, period, we're going to be joined by Nick Napoleon, the coach. And then in the third period, we're just going to talk um, we're not going to go through every single opponent or, you know, every other, um, you know, uh, division, uh, rival, uh, for a loyal, and Highland park, but, um, we'll talk about what the CCL blue looks like, what the CSL South looks like, what the CSL North kind of looks like. Um, obviously, uh, still a lot to learn, but I, I think it's kind of good to have a conversation, just kind of talk about like, what are we kind of expecting from those divisions? Um, and where kind of our teams kind of rank in there. So uh, before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check us out. Uh, give us a nice little subscribe and review. We always appreciate everybody's support and insight. Um, it's always great to get uh, um, some positive feedback like we do. So uh, we always appreciate all the listeners and uh, thanks so much for uh, listening as always. But um, let's get things started here, Joe, with uh, baseball, the Wilmette Waves um summer baseball taking place a lot of these guys who are you know playing for Nutria, playing for the Loyola's playing for their high school teams kind of you know play together in these other teams uh, a lot of Nutria kids play um for the Wilmed Waves um and it wasn't really a surprise that you know after what this Nutria team was able to accomplish this past spring making it to the state uh finals uh weekend uh that Nutria's uh summer league baseball team would uh, have a successful year um, and that's what the Wilmette Waves did. Uh, they topped Maine South 5-2 to two on July 19th in Deerfield. Uh, they claimed the Illinois Summer Baseball League Championship. Uh, the win gave Wilmette 20 wins uh, to just three losses in summer play. Um, and for those of you who like listen to older podcast episodes, um, I'm sure you'll, you, you've heard us say a lot of times, you know, at summer ball, you're working through a lot of different, you know, stuff, a lot of different things during summer ball. You're trying to figure some stuff out, but you know, you still want to win um, like you do in the NBA Summer League. Like, obviously, it's still an accomplishment if you win Summer League. So it's a, a big accomplishment for these Trevians, Joe, um, to, you know, kind of put this together and, um, you know, kind of continue that winning vibe that they uh, had in the spring. Yeah, and, that, and that's what kind of they credited to was just kind of keeping the good times rolling um, from just kind of a, a really special spring season. Like you said, uh, March the third place. Um, after a really disappointing 2022. So it was, it was just really a nice year in a lot of respects um, for the Trevians. Um, and I think they feel like they're in a good place. And, the, you know, the Wilma Waves are full of 
Trevians. It's all Trevians, not all of the Trevians, but everybody on the team is a Trevian. Now, some of the, they got a lot of young talent and with kind of the progression of travel baseball and um, camps and clinics and uh, showcases, um, they don't get the same roster every week. And some guys are just too bit, you know, James Novakovich is, is a, is a rising senior, but one of the best shortstops in the state. And um, some of the other guys, they're both their pitchers, Justin Wood and uh, Max Kaplan weren't on the team, but they got, it kind of showed their depth that they were still able to go through this. And other teams are dealing with that too, in, in kind of this wooden bat um, Illinois summer baseball league. Um, but it shows their depth that they were this dominant. I mean, 20 wins to three losses. They win the tournament. Um, it was their best winning percentage in program history. Um, and the fewest losses, of course, they played fewer games, but still best winning percentage <clears throat> over their 20 year program history for the Wilmette Waves. Just really cool. Um, they still got so many, um, so much talent in that pipeline, juniors, sophomores. Um, I think some of the, the, the other teams in the league, you got Evanston, you got Niles West, you got Glenbrook South. Not all of them are called their school names, similar to the Wilmette Waves, but that's kind of who they represent or the, the players on their team are from those high schools. Um, Lane Tech is in there. Um, not Notre Dame, I believe. Anyway, a, a lot of local teams, and they just they just flat out dominated uh, Maine South too. And they played Maine South in the final, um, kind of dominated the tournament as well. Um, really strong pitching from a couple guys. Noah Chapeau uh, was dominant in uh, the second game, the semifinal, and I think CG CJ. I want to say Donnelly. Yeah, it's got to be it. Um, in the first game, and they were both just really epic all summer for them. Um, Noah Chapeau, who was our F of the week too had a 0.0 ERA. He allowed some runs, but they were unearned. Um, I think he had 50-plus Ks in 27 innings, so uh, about two Ks an inning. Um, uh, he was really good, very, very good. Um, and then some other starters from that third-place team, Evan Olesker, um, played really well. Um, uh, he was a, you know, he's a, he's a middle infielder and played second base, and um, I think he was up there. Ben Toft is another guy in and out of the lineup. Trey Myers in and out of the lineup. They really just had – um, a lot of talent that they got, like I said, in that pipeline that contributed to this, and um, they just didn't stop lose, winning. Yeah, it's really impressive just how they were able to kind of keep on going. Um, Charlie Wazenberg knocked in a couple home runs for the Waves um, in the championship match. Um, so you, you just kind of see that consistency throughout. And, um, you know, it, I kind of thought that it was funny in your story. You mentioned, you know, obviously the uncertainty of the Waves lineup, you know, you don't know what you're going to get every single day, um, but it it, it kind of made things, you know, work. you know, Coach Napoleon talked about, you know, winning games is fun, but you're never kind of worried about it. It's just, you know, trying to get development and, you know, give them opportunities to win. But um, obviously at the same time as development, you want to learn how to win. Um, and obviously, you know, want to learn, you know, what do I need to do in certain situations? How am I going to approach this batter? How am I going to approach this pitcher and that kind of stuff? And obviously at summer league, um, and you get much more experience probably during the regular season, but still like winning is winning. And if you learn how to win and you learn winning habits during the summer, that'll definitely translate into the off season, especially once the spring gets started. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of that too. I think that's a big part of, um, turning a program around number one, or just keeping a program in its winning ways. Even if it has a quote unquote down year, you kind of, have that winning culture and you just develop it. And even if you go, um, I don't know, you know, 16 and 14, one baseball season, you kind of have the right tools and people in place uh, and talent, of course, uh, 
to respond to that. That's what we saw from the Trevians. And now we're just seeing, okay, we have the talent to win, to be third place in state, you know, contend for a state title. And it just keeps going in the summer. And, and I think what Napoleon um, was saying, of course, the winning ways are important, but putting people in that situation, those situations that are um, a little more intense or a little more pressure um, or just getting at bats off, you know, live pitching is huge. And in defense, reps off live hitting, um, where to be, um, who to back up, things like that, you know, um, and make mistakes uh, that aren't as costly and, and learn from them, especially for those younger guys. Um, and yeah, I think he, as we saw in the third place game, he plays a lot of guys almost to the point where it's like a violation. <laughs> so, um, I think summer leagues, even like more of that, just get everybody. I think he said kind of a, a key indicator was like 40 at bats. Let's get them, see if we can get almost everybody on the roster up to bat that many times. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's a great way to approach it, to develop your program. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, before I go to Napoleon in here in the second period, um, fun little fact that uh, the Waves didn't win at home because uh, when that because Duke Child's Field is undergoing an overhaul um, that uh, officials hope will be ready for the spring 2024 season. But um, so a lot of road games for Nutrier uh, on their way to the championship. Yeah, that's funny. Um, he kind of shrugged it off and so did, uh, you know, Noah Chapeau, who I talked to about it as, you know, it just was what it was. And um, they were familiar with a lot of the fields anyway. So it's, it just felt like travel summer ball. You just go from field to field. So um, wasn't that big of a hindrance? Of course, they won 20 ball games. Um, but uh, I think the big takeaway from that is um, we're going to see a new field in uh, the spring before they start, you know, their next season coming off a third place trophy. I think that gives whatever level just a little more energy into the program. And we're finally going to see a field that's modern and, and kind of fits in with some of the other ones in the area. Um and maybe, you know, fewer cars get hit along Willow Road. Yeah, what are the changes that they're making? Do you know? It's big It's big changes. Um, they're putting up one of those modern nets instead of, you know, they have the standard backstop there, kind of the leaned over backstop. So they're putting in a modern fence um, that should stop most of the, I guess it's a netting um, from dugout to dugout. Um, and I'm not sure how high, but high um, should stop most fly balls, uh, foul balls from going into the parking lot in the street. Um, they're also changing the field. I think they're going to have some astro or some artificial surfaces um, on the field, um, some renovations of the dugouts. Um, they're doing that and they're doing the softball field too. Um, so little do they're going to have um, just a brand new facility, better stands. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a complete overhaul and um, it kind of, you know, aligned with what the village of Winneka do was doing and the Winneka Park District and all the changes with the golf course, as well as the uh, stormwater management there. So it's a big intergovernmental um, and everybody's getting a little piece of what they want. Yeah, definitely. And obviously with the new uh, basketball gym being built on the Winneka campus as well, a lot of changes with the athletic program. So um, it'll be fun to see, you know, what it all looks like uh, when the school year kind of gets started uh, here in a couple weeks. But um, let's move on over now to the second period where we're joined by Coach Napoleon. Um, we mentioned a little bit of what he said kind of after the game, Joe, but what are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, you're just going to kind of hear um, this interview was actually before the championship game. So you're going to hear just general about the season, how, you know, what made them successful, what their philosophy is. And, you know, we'll get into um, the no home games. All right, let's have a listen. The same thing, what's, what's been key for you guys this summer? Um, solid pitching. Um, we do hit the ball very well. And we base run very well. 
So I'd say those three things. Um, Fielding-wise, we've been playing okay, but we make some silly, just routine ball plays that we don't make. So I can't say fielding, even though we are fielding the ball at about 925 clip, which is not bad for the summer. Um, but that's partly is because we got some pitchers that strike people out. Right. So. Okay. Uh, no home field. What has it been like? Um, been crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, road warrior type of people. Uh, just traveling every game, not hitting before games. Um, just getting there and playing. So it's a little different than what we're used to. But it hasn't stopped you guys at all? No. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, we've, we've, we've played pretty well. Who, who are some guys that kind of stuck out to you this summer? Uh, Nigro, Sam Nigro, uh, Evan Olesker. Both of those guys have been really good leaders and, and good performers. I think they're one and two in, in the uh, uh, batting average. Yeah, for, for your team? Yeah. Um, ben Toft, he's, he's, he, he's not here this week because he's, in, he's invited to the future games for 2025s. So, big deal. So, he kind of took this week kind of off. Uh, fear of spraining an ankle or getting hurt right. or something like that. Yeah. Next week is a big week for him. So, But he's hitting like 470. Um, I think Nigro leads our team in RBIs. Um, we have a ton of stolen bases from uh, Nolan, Nigro, Olesker. Um, Trey has done a great job. Um, and he's been super busy with yeah. other stuff, football, basketball, um, travel team. So, okay. Um, Shapo's been on the mound. Shapo's been great, and CJ Donnelly's been really, really good too. CJ Donnelly. What year is he? He's he's going to be a junior. Okay. He's a 2025. So obviously in the summer, guys have other obligations. Mm -hmm. Especially some of you know your Novakovichs and right. the other guys. Right. What if, what does it mean for you guys to be successful? Does that like show a lot of your depth? Is that? Yeah, I think a lot of it is depth um, because we don't even have like like Novakovich's not here, Kaplan and Wood aren't here. Right. You know, so we have some uh, Declan Spinner, Max Miller. So those are guys that could be key guys for us in the spring, and so that's six guys that we're missing from this team. Um, but that gives other guys opportunities, right? And that's kind of what, what I use the summer for, giving guys opportunities. Let's try to get as many guys on this team as many bat at bats as I can. So if they get 45 at bats, that's a good. Uh, uh, you can look at that as a as a as a thing and say, hey, this is what how you hit in the summer with a wood bat. Yeah. And if it's not good, here's here's the proof. Yeah. If it's good, hey, good. I'm excited about next year. You know. So these are the things you need to work on. So that's kind of the way I use the summer. Yeah. It just so happens we're winning some games. So yes, we win some games, but I'm not worried so much about winning 19 games in the summer. I'm worried about trying to get kids at bats, giving them opportunities, and um, as many as I can, as many as we can dish out. You know, we didn't have to play on Monday against Highland Park, but just to get another game in, yeah, we did that, you know, so. Um, I think I ask you this about every summer about wooden bats. Tell me uh, how they impact the hitter. Uh, wood bats? Yeah. Um, it really shows me as a coach 
who has a little more strength and contact uh, or extension on contact. So barrel, they, they know where their barrel is mm -hmm. on the bat. Because if you're not hitting the ball on that about inch and a half, two inch uh, sweet spot of the wood bat, it's not going to go. Right. I don't care how strong you are. It's not going to go. So I want to see that guy that gets gets the barrel on the bat. Uh, more good sounds, you know. We're talking about sounds like this. Sounds like this. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. That's what we want to hear. <coughs> that one. Mm -hmm. So, um, so to me, and then it just gains. And 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 when you and we we practice with a wood bat all all winter long too. Okay. So any drills you're doing should be done with a wood bat, because that way when you get into starting to use your your aluminum bat, um, now all of a sudden the sweet spot's bigger, right? And now you know less, you have greater success rates, you know, I think. So, okay. Thank you so much, Coach, for joining us this week, and thank you as always to all the players and coaches who join us throughout the year. Always great to get everyone's insight um, and get some different perspectives in as well. All right, let's move on over now to the third period where we're going to talk some football, but we're not really going to talk about our area teams. We're going to talk about um, who they're playing and what the competition kind of looks like. Um, so we'll talk about the CCL Blue. We'll talk about the CSL South, and we'll talk about the CSL North and the kind of changes that are happening there. Um, but uh, why, why don't we start off with the top division conference in the state, uh, the CCL ESCC Blue. Uh, Loyola playing against Mount Carmel Brother Ice and now St. Rita's making over the switch um, after the division crossovers with uh, um, IC Catholic St. Francis and Aurora Catholic joining uh, the conference. There was some uh, re uh, change of divisions um, that'll only be for a year though and they're going to go over that again. Um, but uh, St. Rita back in the CCLESCC blue, Maris going down to the green. So um not really a lot of differences here, Joe, um, with who the opponents are. Mount Carmel, I checked them out on uh, Tuesday, actually. Um, they lose a talent, but they, they're going to be able – they'll be fine. They'll, they'll bring in a lot of new talent. They still have running back Darian Dupree coming back. Um, he's going to Wisconsin. He was uh, – he's an elite back that uh, missed out on Mount Carmel's uh, championship run last year, so – um, obviously, uh, he's hungry coming back to this season. They've got a lot of talent um, on the defensive side as well. So Mount Carmel, obviously a tough team. Um, St. Rita obviously has a new head coach. Martin Hopkins takes over after uh, um, graduating from there back in 2009. Uh, a lot of uh, new faces there as well, but um, a new defense and that kind of stuff. But you know that they have the offensive and defensive line that will be able to compete in the blue. Um, and it'll be uh, they have uh, DJ Stewart, who is a great running back as well. Um, and then Brother Rice, obviously, second-year coach Casey Quedenfeld. Um, less transition um, this year as opposed to what they were having with last year. A lot of the players are really comfortable in what's going on right now. Um, they've got a really talented running back, and his name is escaping me right now, which is – not great, uh, but uh, they also have um, Christian Pierce, uh, a junior um, linebacker who uh, is getting offers um, from Ohio State, all the big Power Five programs. So um, the all four teams, including Loyola, obviously have a lot of talent, Joe. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this blue because as opposed to last year, I feel like last year you thought 
heading into the season, Loyola Mount Carmel are like not only the best in division, but also the best in the state. And uh, that's why their, you know, week nine matchup was so look forward to, but you expect all four of these teams to be good this year, but I, I don't think that there's a clear cut favorite as to who is going to dominate this division. I think all four teams bring a lot of new faces um, and new experience. And it's pretty much just going to be, you know, who's able to kind of put it together later in the season. Yeah. Because of that, I kind of, um, I guess my default is that it will be Carmel and Loyal again, um, just because there are significant changes kind of on every part. And I expect Brother Rice to kind of close that gap a little bit, at least from it was what it was when they played Loyola, although I believe they played Carmel real tough. Um, so I think they got better as the year went on, if I remember from the, from Brother Rice. And uh, they start off the season with Maine South. Is that right? Yeah. So I think we'll we'll get a pretty good measuring stick pretty quickly of what Brother Rice is going to bring um, this year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's brutal in, in that league, the, the top, um, CCL, ESCC division, um, Loyola knows it. They've, uh, handled it well in the past. I expect no different, but you know, there's smaller margin for error because of all the talent in that division. So, um, you stumble out of the gates or stumble here and there, and, and you could take a couple of losses and still be one of the state's best. We've seen it happen. Um, but but I, but I do expect Loyola to be up there. I just uh, – I think it's pretty good. I expect a lot out of Carmel. Dupree um, was so impressive when I saw him last year and when I watch his clips, which are extremely fun to watch. Um, he's going to Wisconsin. Um, so, I, you know, he – any – with those kind of NFL skill set backs or, or big power five backs, you know, an injury, a small one here or there, they're, they're going to wrestle him. He's got his future, you know laid out in front of them a little bit. So um, you hope nothing happens in, in that vein. And, and if, if it doesn't, I think Dupree has a huge year, um, very big, and maybe covers for um, their new quarterback as he as he develops. And I think that's a big thing for Mount Carmel. But again, they're stacked at, at a lot of different positions um, and they'll be okay. But I, I do expect kind of Carmel and Loyola to be up there and uh, a step ahead of the other two. But uh, anything can happen when there's that much talent in the division. You mentioned, um, you know, that that schedule that, you know, the teams have. And I kind of talked about this with all the coaches where, you know, they're going to all say the same thing. Playing the CCL blue gets you ready and you'd rather, you know, you obviously you want to win games, but you'd rather have a couple losses in the blue and, and kind of prepare you for a deep postseason run as opposed to, you know, winning in a maybe easier division and then losing in the second round or in the quarterfinals. But um, all of these teams are going to be tested really well. You mentioned, obviously, Brother Rice starts off the season with Maine South, and they got uh, Marist in week two. St. Rita starts off the season with Sandberg, obviously, um, maybe not the same level as uh, St. Rita, but then they uh, play Kenwood Academy in the second week. Um, Mount Carmel is playing that probably the game of the year to start off the year um, with East St. Louis down in Illinois State. I mean, that's going to, that's going to tell you exactly who Maine South is right away. Um, once you start that season. Um, and then you got Loyola taking on uh, Central Catholic out in Michigan. Um, and then I think they play uh, Naperville North the following week. So all four of these teams are going to, you know, battle each other and are really going to be tested in the CCL Blue alone. But then these first two weeks, like, they didn't, like, schedule cupcakes to kind of get some wins and whatever. Like, they're very confident and, you know, trying to play the best So in, in order to kind of prepare themselves for a deep postseason run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's that's been these coaches um, philosophy for as long as I can remember. Um, and I think it's certainly 
uh, the proof is in the pudding, right? With championships and long runs in the postseason, which is the goal, give your chance, your team a chance to get there. And I think playing the tough competition is a big piece of that puzzle. Um, so yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I can't wait for that Mount Carmel East St. Louis game. Um, I can't wait for Loyola and Central Catholic, who's won. God, I wrote it in the story, like uh, five of the last six state championships in their division. And last year, I think they were a semifinalist. Uh, so they're, you know, in that category in a very t- good football state in Michigan. Um, it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, the, you, you kind of got to, after the first couple of weeks, ignore the polls a little bit, because if whoever it is, Maine South or Brother Rice or or Loyola take a loss, they might drop, but that doesn't mean they're any worse for wear, you know, um, you, you still got to fear them no matter who you are. Um, rankings won't tell you everything to start the season, but uh, definitely excited for that week one. We're going to, we're going to get off to a really hot start in Illinois football. Yeah, it'll be really fun. And before we move on to the other divisions, there's a lot of young blood, not only with players, but also obviously coaches where um, I didn't realize this until I went to Mount Carmel on Tuesday, but uh, Mount Carmel's Jordan Lynch is now the most tenured coach. Yeah. Uh, at, in the CCL Blue, um, obviously Hopkins taking over at Arita, uh, Quentin Phil taking over at Brother Rice last year, and Bo Deshero taking over at Loyola this year. Uh, Lynch, who I think started in like, what, 2019, I think he took over the program, mm-hmm. is now the most tenured uh, coach there with Maris moving down to the green, which um, is kind of weird, especially, you know, for such storied programs, like the four teams that are in the blue, like obviously they're physically really good programs. Um, kind of weird that all four programs have relatively coaches, um, but it's also kind of fun to kind of see whether they're able to instill maybe, you know, a fresher style of football. Maybe you see more passing, less running. Obviously, all four teams are going to run the football like they have traditionally. But maybe you see maybe more new style offense and new style defenses than we have in the past. Yeah, it is. It is funny um, and just purely coincidental. I don't think that's a sign of any sort of trend. Um, um, and uh inject some new storylines into it um some new things we haven't seen maybe like you said on the offensive end defensive end too um and uh yeah it should be it should be fun too i think i think jordan lynch installed some new things um from lenti you know in the past few years that that have made mount carmel a different equally successive team successful team um and i'm sure we could see some of that with both too with, with loyola yeah, you definitely saw that with Mount Carmel with the offense that they were running with Blaney Dowling last year, obviously, and maybe um, some th- some newer uh, style offenses than maybe you were seeing in the past with um, other older school coaches. But uh, let's go over to the CSL South now. I think the biggest um, thing with what you know is happening here in the Central Suburban League is the switch with uh, Deerfield heading over to the South um, and uh, Niles West moving up to the North. Um, Deerfield, obviously Joe has competed well and, you know, obviously won a couple of North titles. What does Deerfield kind of bring into the South and where do you feel like they kind of stack up now where it seems like, I don't think the South had any like four teams or anything like that, but now it feels like, you know, the South really does have, every team is pretty much close to being a playoff team. I think at least not, if not five, a 500 team. Yeah, I think, uh, Deerfield definitely is going to bring a little bit. Um, a little something different than Niles West. Um, Niles West was kind of a um, build and then big year or big year for them and then kind of rebuild type of team. I think Deerfield sustains it a little better at the at the quality level, and that has to do with a lot of um, their youth programs and things like that. It's just a more established program. Um, but they bring a, a passing game that's going to be interesting. Um, I can't 
I'm looking it up right now because, of course, his the quarterback slipped my mind. But he he's one of the best, better quarterbacks in the area, and uh, I'm gonna find it. I'm just now I'm wasting time. Um, of course, I can't find it. Um, but anyway, uh, Deerfield's got a good quarterback, so they're gonna throw the ball a little more. Um, they're gonna have kind of a different offense offense that threatens you in multiple ways. Um, but at the same time, they're a little smaller than some of the your nutriers. Um, so uh, they might be out kind of outman on the depth side and the size side. Um, so they're going to have to make up for that with, with, with something. So, uh, but they're a successful team. They're used to success. So, you know, that they're come with that um, uh, badge of honor, if you will. And um, I think they're going to compete with a lot of these teams and you can't, it's not, it's certainly not a gimme um, playing Deerfield and, and what they're going to bring. So um, some teams better look out, but I still think it's, it's main South and, um, GBS graduated a lot. Um, you know, they got that rushing attack and that, that varied offensive attack that they give you, um, better. They've been better on the defensive end the past few years. Really good. Um, they graduated a lot. So I'm interested to see how that renewed success, cause they kind of had a few years on the downside that renewed success can continue with a lot of graduates. Um, we've talked about Nutrier main South is what it is. They lost some guys too, but they also played a lot of young guys last year. I think when their quarterback got hurt, they played like a couple freshmen in and out of spots just to kind of find and, and mix things up. And they were successful, especially in conference. So, you know, those guys got experience and, and they're going to be right back there. So um, I, I can't argue with it's, it's main South to lose, but um, uh, those other top teams, GBS, Nutrier um, have the talent. And I think Deerfield might be a step behind, but let's see. Hopefully they surprise us. That would make for a, a fun a fun road through conference. Is Mac Jones the quarterback you're thinking of for Deerfield? Yeah, I think so. Yes, that sounds right. So, I mean, kind of an interesting conversation. I remember a few years ago um, when GBN kind of made the switch over and switched over with Niles North. Um, where do like the division kind of is the CSL South right now? You've got Maine South, obviously, who's a – State powerhouse obviously won state championship, is competing for state championships, and has kind of dominated the South. But then you got, you know, teams like Glenbrook South and Nutrier, who I kind of feel like, you know, kind of switch off in years where they're, you know, competing for the division title, but then they're not. And then uh, GBN has kind of come into the mix. And I feel like, if I remember correctly, that they contended for a division one year, I think it was. Just where do you kind of think of these new, newer teams, especially with GBN and uh, Deerfield, how are they kind of ranking and how do they kind of, you know, line up with, you know, maybe bigger schools like GBS, Maine South and Nutrier? Yeah, I think it's tough um, because you're moving um, good teams in a smaller division to a bigger division. So I don't think we can expect huge success. I think it's been fine. I think GBN has certainly played competitive football. Um, in a lot of their games, they've won games. Um, so it's not like they're out of their league by any means. Um, they haven't contended really um, for a championship in the league, but uh, I, it's, I, I think they can get there. And I think the same will be for Deerfield once they get here. You know, it might take a few years to to get your footing and uh, set what maybe that competition is going to be. Because these teams, I mean, Nutria is going to, because of the sheer size of it, is going to put bigger guys on you. And they're going to have a little more depth. Um, that's just, that's just how it works anywhere. And Maine South, because of their culture and history is just going to be pedigree. I should say just a level above until you stop them. That's who they are. Um, so to compete with those teams, I think it's going to take a while and a special year. 
Um, but I think it's been going fine. And I think um, the switch over from um, Niles North has, has been kind of in the middle of the pack up there in the uh, smaller division um, in the North. And I think Niles West might even be in a little better position than Niles North um, to compete up there in that league. Um, I'm interested to see that. I think some teams might be surprised at what Niles West can bring. We'll see. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. And I, I don't know whether there this exists when they're trying to make that decision, but it is interesting how, like, you know, obviously you have class 8A, 7A, whatever, 6A, based on your school size. Um, I wonder how much of a factor that is and whether it isn't, uh, you, you know, when you're changing divisions where, you know, you got these smaller schools competing against bigger schools like Nutrier who draw upon, like, you know, thousands and thousands of kids or Main South who obviously draw upon thousands and thousands of kids. So it's interesting always to me, like when you kind of have these schools who are kind of like, well, we're smaller, how are we supposed to keep up with Main South when they have a bigger, you know, bigger draw to kind of compete with or like a new trier where like they have all these kids to choose from what we don't have. So it's kind of interesting when you're kind of looking at that too, as to, you know, how is Deerfield going to keep up with those schools? Um, obviously because uh, I know they're probably, what are they like 6A or something like that? So they're up there, but they're not at an 8A or 7A level right now. Yeah. I mean, but you got to play somewhere, right? Um, right. And you go a little North and, oh, there's Libertyville. I mean, that's right. pretty cool. And you go a little, you know, then you're Palatine to the West and, um, you know, maybe, Lake Force is about equal, but Lake Force is Lake Force. But anyway, I'm I'm just saying you got to go somewhere in your area, and and it's it's tough to find an exact fit if you're slightly smaller. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't compete. It just means maybe I guess you know statistically you're probably not going to compete every single year like a bigger school. You might have more um, volatility in when you compete, but you can certainly build a successful program that competes with bigger schools. And you know, I mean, look at. There's bigger schools in the state. I don't want to point anybody out that don't compete at a super high level and have trouble finding that consistency. You know, 4,000, 5,000 kids in a school that have trouble doing it. So, um, yeah, it, you know, statistically it might be against you, but you can do it. You know, there's your chances here. And I'm sure Deerfield is certainly looking at this against some bigger schools as an opportunity. All right, let's talk about the North. Um obviously where Highland Park kind of is in it and what 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 kind of happens with the North now with Deerfield gone I feel like Deerfield has kind of you know controlled that division for a little bit now um so now that they've made the switch over um where does Highland Park kind of stack up with the rest of the teams obviously Maine West has had a good recent history of competing in that um Maine East obviously has not had good recent history Vernon Hills is always up and down um and then uh, Niles North and Niles West obviously have on and off years so um, Joe, what, where, where do you kind of stack the North and where Highland Park kind of stands in that division at this point? Yeah, I think Maine West is probably still the team to beat, uh, although we're going to see some turnover there as well. And, and maybe some, some, who knows what that's going to bring exactly. That's another kind of case of a small school and, and got to fill spots and can they do it, uh, effectively, um, to keep talent on the field and success on the field. Um, but Maine West has been good, and I think Vernon Hills has done some damage on and off. Like you said, it's it's not truly sustained, and they have trouble with bigger schools. But, um, you know, they they put it on Highland Park a little bit, although Highland Park had a heck of a comeback that fell short. But, I mean, um, they can score points. So I I think Highland Park's right in the middle, upper, upper, upper middle tier. I mean, there's only five teams. So right in the middle uh, of that. 
And I think with the potential, though, I think I said this previous, but I think the Giants have a potential to win the league. I really do. Um, they still have Deerfield on the schedule, though, um, the rivalry factor of it. I, I'm interested. I think that's week two. So I'm real interested to see what that shows us with. Now they have, I don't know how many starters. Um, we'll have this in our preview, but it's nearly double-digit starters that have played three varsity years. Um, this is their third varsity years, including quarterback, running back, uh, at least one wide receiver. So uh, they're ready and a middle linebacker. That's a lot of big positions that they got covered um, with experience and talent. So um, I know they're expecting a big year and uh, I know their numbers are up, which is big for them because they had a pretty big dip in the past five, six years. So their numbers are back up, um, which is a big deal for them. And I think, uh, I think they could compete for it. We'll just, we'll have to see how that, you know, non-conference schedule goes um, because they need to pull a couple wins out of there. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the you know newer team do how uh, and where Highland Park kind of figures things out there. I feel like it's um, a good year. You know, we'll get more into the preview stuff uh, closer to the regular season, but I think it'll be really interesting just to see where Highland Park kind of stacks up there. Where do, do they take advantage of the scenario right now? Deerfield's gone. Um, you got Maine West still there, like you mentioned earlier. But you know, does Highland Park take advantage of this moment? So I think it'll be interesting. We'll obviously talk a lot more about it. Um, as we move closer to uh, football camp here and as we get closer to the season. But um, unless you had anything else you wanted to add, Joe, I think uh, that is uh, all the football talk that we've got for this week. No, that's it. I think um, we're working on a couple features, um, some some fun summer stuff that's not – that isn't up yet, so I don't want to uh, speak out of place. But uh, hopefully we'll have that up soon. And, hey, before you know it, we'll be uh, doing full previews and even recapping some some football Fridays. Yeah, it'll be really fun. But obviously, we always appreciate you guys uh, listening to uh, all our podcasts, especially the summer podcasts. Always, uh, obviously, we kind of take some liberties with them, but it's always fun. And we always find out, find something to talk about and end up talking for a good amount of time. So um, it's always fun to kind of have these podcasts just to look at the general things going on, especially during the regular season where, you know, we're trying to name all the kids and say everything that happened and try to break everything down. It's kind of hard to, you know, go into the general picture. Um, during the regular season or even during preview season. So um, good to uh, have a fun podcast like that. But thank you as always for listening. Uh, just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check out our work at the Friday Night Drive. Um, you can check out all my CCL ESCC content. Um, we've got football previews coming out in less than two weeks. Um, so uh, we are getting ready to uh, get started here. Um, we still got summer camp stories to check out, and we've got these cool new video features um, that Steve Stussy's putting together. So make sure you're checking out all of our content at Friday Night Drive for all the football stuff you want. And as always, make sure you subscribe and donate and read uh, the record North Shore. Um, obviously, Joe's putting a lot of great sports coverage together, but he's also covering everything else in the North Shore area, all the arts, all the business news. Um, news, everything else going on. Joe's got you covered, so make sure you subscribe and donate um, all that you can for Joe's uh, really great work. Um, but for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya! Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org your nonprofit local newsroom.